and welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast brought to you by the Adventure Archive. My name is Ryan, and with me we have the creator of Frontier Scum and much more, uh, Carl Druid. How are you doing this morning, Carl? Doing all right. Evening over here, so I've had my day already, but there you go. it's been a chill, chill Saturday so far. Um, and for those uh, who may potentially not know who you are, maybe outside of Frontier Scum, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and some of the things that people might know you for? Yeah, uh, I'm Carl Druid uh, from Gothenburg, Sweden. Uh, better known maybe as Make Data Not Lore. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, kind of got started in the in the creative uh, creative RPG business with some Mercbori uh, creations, Graves Left Wanting, the Cursed Skinwalker and such, as well as the digital um, generators for Mercbori and Death in Space, um, Scumbirder, etc. So we actually, um, when we first started running Mercborg on our actual play channel, the first thing we ran was Graves Left Wanting. And I think pre-stream, prior to that, we ran the Rot Black Sludge, and uh, Jess, who plays with us, was the Cursed Skinwalker. So we've actually used a bunch of your stuff um, on our channel, and uh, Graves of Wanting was, uh, it was great. Um, I don't think I died in that one. I definitely died in Rot Black Sludge, um, but uh, I don't think I, I died. Well, we are all technically dead, I guess, you know, when it starts, but, but yeah. Um, so Frontier Scum. So um, I guess my first question with Frontier Scum is what made um, a guy in Sweden who has been designing a lot of Merkborg stuff create a acid Western role playing game? Yeah, that's a good, a good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've always been into the Western aesthetic not really so much the media around it just more the moods the vibes the gunslinger that sort of stuff um but uh, i've never really played a, a western inspired uh, role-playing game um the ones i've tried uh haven't really scratched my particular itch they're often either very um very crunchy rules wise or they're very historical uh, and uh, neither of those things interest me very much um, so that's sort of how uh, frontiers come came to be as a mercury hack first and foremost and then eventually evolved into its own rule system and um, vibes gotcha so so it did start as a mercury hack like that's where yeah. okay yeah so it, it was um like at the at the beginning, it was just Mercbori with guns, uh, but then as we play tested uh, stuff, sort of, I, I began adding and removing and trying to hit certain vibes, uh, and uh, just eventually it became its own thing. It didn't feel like playing Mercbori anymore, uh, so it made sense to kind of drop that that part of it. Uh, but with that said, it's still. Uh, very much inspired by Mercbor, the system, especially on the game master side. Um, it, it's uh, it's very easy to run Mercbor adventures with Frontier Scum, but from the player perspective, it's it's quite a different game. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, um, going through the rules, I mean, there are like little bits that are definitely still there, like D20, player facing, defense rolls, DR12, those kind of things. Um, but really, I mean, it's it feels very not even really adjacent like it's very much feels like its own game it doesn't feel it, it feels a little inspired by especially in like the um kind of like the grittiness and the deadliness of it but other than that like it definitely very much feels like its own game yeah um i think um i think the the gun rules especially um uh, change change the game uh but also the the dead chicks uh system it's sort of it doesn't it makes it not as deadly as it first appears uh, but at the same time uh, it feels very close uh, all the time uh, i've played several sessions where nobody's died but everybody's constantly worried about it um, and that's sort of the vibe you want to hit i think where it feels like any bullet could be the last yeah the first time i read it um, I, I, I think my first reaction to the death system was like, Hey, this is fucking awesome. Um, but B, I was like, man, this is super deadly. People are going to die all the time. But when you really look at like the drop checks and then the numbers on it really over five, you're, you're, you're kind of okay. Um, yeah. but, uh, when you first look at it and I'm sure when you're playing it, it's, it feels a lot more, uh, deadly, but my, I have to say the death system is probably if i had to pick a favorite part my favorite part i love that there's not really advancement per se in like the game at all there's like roll a natural 20 get a new skill you can only have six and and then you have to switch it out but like you know if you roll everything's what a 16 and up you can um increase a stat or something um and if you get a natural 20 you're gonna have to increase your health i love the whole idea of like learning from almost dying it, like that feel um, and it's not like a ton. It's not like you're suddenly like, you know, do this three times and you're a god. Like it's D&D 5e or anything. It's like this incremental, like, could die, might not die, do okay not dying, slightly more health, and that's about it. It's it's fantastic. I, like I said, I think it's easily my favorite part. Yeah, I think um, the, the sort of horizontal progression, uh, characters don't really get more powerful at least not very quickly, but they change and they change by playing. It's not like oftentimes uh, in, in games, it's um, you get experience at the end of the session and then the next session you show up suddenly stronger. Uh, but I don't know, I kind of like the idea of uh, you gain experience uh, or you change by the actual things. You can actually link back every skill you've got and every hit point increase and every ability decrease or increase, you can link that to certain events, which makes things a lot more memorable, I think. Yeah, because even even when you roll the um, the 20s, like the option is kind of like, you can like take a skill in the thing that you were like trying to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you, like, like you said, the horizontal progression, was there um, like another game that inspired that? Or is that something that you were just like, this seems like something I'd like to try and the mechanics just kind of evolve from it. Well, I don't, um, I think there's been elements of that in games. I can't think of anything um, in particular right now, but I mean, I, I've seen uh, stuff where, where characters do gain. There's of course games like um, the free league system, etc., where you gain the experience and there, there you can also like, you gain experience for achieving certain things. Um, 
and that was definitely a bit of the inspiration as well. Uh, and of course, the Merc Party, where you can also get worse. I think that's really good because, um, yeah, you change. You don't necessarily become better. Um, but uh, it, most most of all, it was just a thing I wanted to try, um, and it worked out. Yeah, I I mean it does. It's it's fantastic, and like you said, like Merkbor kind of has a little bit of a horizontal progression. It's not like you you level up per se, and even something like Death in Space, you know, like you get XP and you can like I guess like spend it to improve yourself a little bit. But it's like it's yeah. it's incremental, and it gets more it's exponentially more difficult every time you try to do it. So same thing, you're not like gaining a new power at a certain level. You just evolve may become slightly more resilient but not really change at all you are kind of a complete character when you start and you grow a little bit as opposed to to starting out as basically like a level zero farmhand or something and becoming a god so yeah um I, i guess the next one is like what is up with like, what are they feeding you guys in Sweden that over the last, like, three years, or we got Merkbor, we got Death in Space, we got Frontier Scum. I mean, there's this, like, just group of, like, just guys from Sweden that are coming over here and just, like, blowing up the TTRPG space. You know what I mean? Like, I think the, I think Merkborg, um, Death in Space, and now Frontier Scum are some of the most popular games across the indie scene for the past bunch of years. Is it just... Like, like what, like what, ha- like, where did you guys come from? Like, what is this always been over there? And suddenly there's just like, you know, it's, it's appearing over here for us or, or what do you think is kind of like the inspiration behind that? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's been a very strong uh, role-playing scene uh, in Sweden since at least the eighties. Like it, it's been uh, not uh, very, uh, not hugely popular, not mainstream by any means, but I mean, it's been, it's been here for a very long time and um one thing i think that's been happening the last couple of years is a lot more swedish people are creating english games um there's loads of loads of swedish uh, role playing games but they're mostly just in swedish you can kind of see it with the free league uh, stuff they kind of started out with swedish stuff and then they eventually translated and then eventually they started releasing both um both languages at the same time and now they're doing a lot of just english stuff um i think it's a, it's a combination of just swedish people we we learn english quite young and uh, we don't get dubs of stuff really because our population is too small to really make it worth it so we we learn uh, perhaps earlier uh, than than many europeans um, and uh, now i think people around in the 30s 40s are starting to to expand uh, they're feeling confident in in their english and uh, i guess seeing seeing that there's loads of fans enjoying it abroad as well which is a huge motivator gotcha and you um you kind of started putting out uh stuff with Merkborg, obviously right was that like the first things that you um created or was it just the first things that you put out for other people uh well I started with role-playing games quite late. It was when I got into university, uh, and uh, uh, I started out as a player in a in a campaign that so many other campaigns just it sort of died uh, before the first session even. But I I wanted to keep it going, so I uh, actually just took up the D 
DMing Mantle in 5e then, and I did that a couple of years. Uh, and then I moved on to the free league stuff. And uh, that's sort of when I started creating my own stuff. Uh, I did some like, not really, uh, not even really public stuff, just, just stuff I shared internally with friends and, and stuff like that. And then I think the first published thing on my drive to RPG is a, a lasers and feelings hack uh, called uh, Ballar and Blut, Ballar och Blut, uh, which means uh, balls and blut in, in Swedish. Um, it's um, Blut is the Viking the tradition of sacrificing stuff, animals mostly. Uh, so it's, uh, it's sort of, it was a, a parody uh, reference to a Swedish Viking comedy show. Okay. And uh, nobody's ever played it, uh, but I, I think that was the first thing. Uh, that I released. Gotcha. And then um, was it the Merkborg cult when that first came out that really started like, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. The, like the work that uh, Johanna and Pelle put in in the beginning to just with the cult and just promoting third party creators and the cult, especially with the, actually getting like it looks good. You get stuff that actually looks professional. That was amazing. And that definitely spurred me on to just keep creating stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, almost all of it is owed uh, to the to Merkbari and the Merkbari cult. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if I'd be doing as much without without them. And did you know Johan or Pele prior to the Merkborg cult or was like Graves left wanting kind of like the first thing where you guys kind of, you know, got together and worked on something? I think I found uh, Merkborg when they made a, uh, Johan posted a, 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 an image just of a Swedish spread of Merkborg. This was before they even had planned the Kickstarter, I think. Uh, and I saw it on Reddit and I uh, joined the community pretty quickly. Uh, so there, uh, was was there from the start basically and um, uh, it was just when i was getting into web development uh, and i sent them a photo of a sketch for scumberder and then we just i think that was was really hit it off uh, and then i made some stuff and uh, uh, they they put it in the cult um, but before that i i, I never met them uh, still i've only met them once but i talked a couple of times gotcha so it was Scumberther was the first thing that you. So it was actually the, the web, the web development stuff before even like the adventures that kind yeah. of put you guys in contact yeah. with each other. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That's great. Um, and then, I mean, you put a bunch of stuff out in the cults. You've done the Scumberther, a lot of third party, uh, you know, Merkborg stuff. And I know I'm saying it really wrong, and I do apologize. Um, uh, I wish I could say it more correctly, and I just don't think I have a Swedish tongue for it. Um, but at what point in um, during that, did Frontier Scum become like an idea? Like, has this been brewing for like a couple of years, or is it pretty much like you got an idea, you you know pushed it through, and and then it came out? Yeah, like the idea. I think it hit me during vacation times uh, about exactly one year ago, August last year, uh, and I just made some spreads, I played around with it. Then I said, hey, this can actually work. So I basically shut myself off from any other creative uh, stuff and then uh, since august last year i've basically just been grinding frontier scum um but so it, it was i guess in hindsight a pretty quick 
project, but it felt it felt like ages uh, sitting there reworking it, uh, spreads over and over again, and all the play testing and the changing. Uh, I made the mistake of going with layout first, which meant um, <laughs> I wrote stuff straight into the layout, and then I had to change the rule, and then suddenly the layout didn't work anymore, and I had to do it again. So, but uh, the whole process was very much iterative. Um, like I had. Um, I had the first like 28 pages. It was supposed to be a scene. Uh, and then it just kept growing uh, as things often do. Uh, and I got in contact with Brian Yaksha and uh, uh, Chalk Down. Uh, I got my friend Skull Fungus to do some art as well, which was really cool. Uh, and Walton Wood doing the editing. And in some ways, it became more of a project management thing. Um, and just putting putting together all the stuff that uh, they helped me to create. Um, and uh, yeah, it definitely wouldn't be the same without them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, first to go from an idea to this in in less than a year, because this book's been out for a little while, is that, that just seems crazy to me. Um, that seems like such a short period of time to be working on any project to go from like initial, like you said, initial layout to literally having it printed by Games Omniverse and like being printed like all over the world at this point, going into a second printing. Um, what you just said is like putting um, people together. Uh, in the beginning, uh, like in the credits, it says Brian Yaksha did um, the setting words. Does that mean like in the first, you know, uh, chunk uh, prior to the map where it talks about like all the like the location spots, is that mostly Brian's writing? Yeah, that's uh, that's Brian's writing. Uh, we worked together. I think I had an outline of, of all the locations. Uh, but since it was such a fast-paced project, I felt I, I just didn't have the uh, either the writing shops or the time to really put into making it uh, really, really good. And uh, Brian's stuff is phenomenal, so I contacted him. Uh, and we worked together, and he... yeah. Like the result, I, I I still read those and I love every word. I think it's great. Yeah, he's a, a, a they're a great writer and just the way that they um I don't even know how to describe the vibe that they can put into um like a paragraph and even just a couple of words like it can really pull you in like really quickly to whatever the setting or the the style is and they definitely have like a very dark um uh way of writing and that i think with frontier scum especially it really pulls you into because it's not just like um it's not just like a like hey this is like shoot 'em up western or whatever like it's a it's it's a dark game like it's very you know and the westerns you know it's not like a spaghetti western i guess that's what i'm trying to say like it's it's, it's a dark lost frontier you know it's really supposed to feel that way and even even the the, the intro adventure name the organ the organ train um organ rail yeah the organ rail which i read as the organ trail a million times before i read organ rail which obviously i assume that's that was the the um yeah the yeah. inspiration for that and i did my brain just read organ trail over and over and over again before i was like wait no it's organ rail this is amazing um I mean, that's the name of the intro adventure. So you like, you can clearly see, you know, especially even like some of the Merc Borg inspiration still coming into to that. Um, and then you said you got some of your friends to do that, but layout outside of the adventure is all you, right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's me and uh, a whole bunch of public domain artwork. 
Um, and then, so the inspiration behind, I'll just hold up the book. And for those in podcast land, I'm sorry you can't see this, but we talked about this before it started. There, there are like no margins in this book, um, and it is packed. And I feel like every small space that could have been there is filled with just an awesome like old western ad for something like some you know snake oil or something like that was what was the inspiration for the layout um was it like old paper like newspapers or things from the time things like that and if so like where where did you kind of pull um the inspiration or like references or anything from to to do that yeah um i definitely wanted to hit like you can kind of tell that the first setting bit is definitely like it's inspired by just old timey newspapers uh, i looked at a lot of newspaper uh layouts online um and then as the book goes on it kind of becomes more of a catalog style where the rules start popping up and um, that was definitely like i had um, this recreation it's still somewhere around here uh, a 700 page sears catalog recreation from 1897 um which just has so many ads for everything from like bags of flour to uh, revolvers to houses um and it was just i i flipped through that so much just working on the layout so that that was a huge huge inspiration I mean, and then, of it, course. No, I'm sorry. What's it? Yeah, and of course, Red Dead Redemption uh, well, 2. Um, yeah. But that, that goes without saying, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think that, you know, I don't think there is a game that you could play Red Dead Redemption. If you wanted to run Red Dead Redemption as a tabletop role-play game, I don't think there's anything better than Frontier Scum that could possibly, like, bring in everything that Red Dead Redemption has. You know what I mean? I, I can't imagine yeah. anything that could do it as well. Um, and then even as far as the cover, which is absolutely stunning, I think, um, I, cause I, it, Walton wrote an article about this on, on their blog. Right. And I think yeah. he said that this wasn't his, his choice of cover to start. Is that, is that a story? No, I, I believe the words were something like, I'm telling you as a friend, don't use this cover, whatever you do. Um, and then I did it anyways. Uh, but he's uh, <laughs> he's come around to it. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's I had a bunch of different um, ideas for for the cover, and then I don't know. This one just felt right. It's uh, uh, very inspired by old catalogs. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I love the cover. I think it's absolutely stunning. Um, is there a chance ever to have like alternate cover, just like? shot somewhere that we could see what what walton might have like wanted instead or is that just all going to stay tucked away between you guys uh yeah i don't think i have them at hand but uh maybe maybe in the future sometime i'll dig them out gotcha i mean i'm glad he was wrong is, is all i'm saying because this is stunning so and then also speaking of the cover in the physical book this is uh, it's only I've seen it a couple of times. Like uh, like Wet Grandpa um, has a similar binding on the edge. This like kind of lay flat, open, non binding. What was um, behind the decision to do this? Um, and was there any issue printing deciding to do this as opposed to a regular one? Did it make a, a huge difference trying to go through that process? Well, it was um, it was uh, a very close collaboration with the with the, the publisher Games Omnivorous and uh, Andre over there, um, and um, we we worked uh, 
just iterated a diff- bunch of different designs. We had like for a while uh, this fall leather uh, kind of Bible, old timey Bible vibe going, but um, eventually we, we kind of settled on this. And um, it was a pretty huge gamble really because we couldn't um, get the print proof from the printer like the actual actual finished binding uh, so we kind of had to just wing it and hope uh, so it was it was a scary 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 wait for the 500 copies to arrive at games and Everest. Um, but it turned out it turned out just like we wanted um, so. yeah I mean it's it's stunning. Like there's not another book I think on anyone's shelf that's going to look like this. And the cover itself, is this just what would normally be inside like um, uh, a normally bound book? Like this is the, it's just not covered with fabric yeah, or whatever exactly. you normally put on exactly. it? Exactly. So they, they usually put like the, the, the cover on top of that. Um, but uh, other, like physically, it's just a naked book. And when you, so you couldn't get the proof for this. When you asked the printer to do this, were they like, um, excuse me? Or were they like, no, yeah, we could, we could totally just not cover it and do this kind of binding or. Yeah, they had the, the alternative. I think it's mostly used for like photo albums and stuff. Okay. Um, but the, they, they had the technology. I think that's where uh, uh, the idea came from, that they had that somewhere on their website or something. Um, and uh, yeah, if you look online, I think mo- most all of all of the examples are, are photo albums. Um, the, I think the only limitation we had, which was kind of annoying at the start, was that we had to use the cardboard uh, color. There's since it's just the inside of a hardcover book, we couldn't really do anything about that. Uh, but um, as we iterated over the covers, um, this one came out, uh, and uh, we made it work. I think. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like I said before the stream started, I bought two so that I could tuck one away and never, ever touch it just in case something happens to this one. Um, And I guess it makes sense with this style binding for photo albums, which people like to open up completely. And with this style, like you can easily like the whole thing just is very lay flat, which is fantastic to have at the table. I mean, the the I know a lot of people. they sometimes do like the ring binding so that it'll lay flat, but this just looks so much more elegant than that. And, you know, um, sits on the shelf a little bit easier than the ring binding on the edge. But I mean, beginning to end, this is absolutely stunning. And now games omnivorous. Um, what, at what point did you kind of meet with them or talk with them or what was the uh, initial, um, did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? How did you guys pair up basically? Yeah, I think um, I had um, I was over at the Libre Ludorum server with with uh, yeah the the development like I did a bunch of development updates and the people there uh, were super super helpful to the process and uh, uh, they kind of kept because I was planning to just release it on itch as a black and white PDF for home printing um, but they kind of kept kept pushing to to do something even more with it uh, and um, eventually I reached out to Games of Niverous I think it was in the winter sometime like late last year uh, and I sent them the 28 page uh, scene uh, which was close to completion uh, at that point 
and then they uh, they were into it and suddenly it turned into uh, a 64 page book so when you had the original zine what what made it into or what what, what expanded after that initial you know thing that you had is it is a lot of the setting text or was it um like the adventure like what what it, what was the original um zine like compared to what it is now yeah it was um i think even tighter there was uh, like it's it's quite tight at the moment but it, I, I, there was even more content on every page um but then as as we increased the page count uh, i i redid some layout and sort of spread stuff out uh, added the ads in the setting. Uh, I think that was four pages originally. I think it's six now. Uh, and then, uh, uh, of course, all the tables, the carousing, uh, and uh, all the end tables, like at the end there, uh, those were also late additions. Um, but other than that, I think I think almost everything was already there in the scene. Yeah, because I mean, it is it's a 64 page book, um, but if you look at just the mostly the rules, basically, it's really only about 20 pages of of rules. And even some of that is like ads and things like that. I mean, I love when books do what you did, which is to put like a like a two page spread in the back of just like the the rules. I know Merkborg does the same thing. Death in Space, like all of those games do the same thing. Like they all do easily fit like i mean a little bit tight but like easily on two pages it really is only about 20 pages of rules so um from the initial zine were there any big rules changes that happened or was it mostly adding the setting adding the adventures adding the role tables kind of just expanding on like the resources that you can do a little bit more oh yeah i mean we did um, play tests uh i think in the end yeah we like almost every other week with the guys from from Liber Liderum, uh, we did uh, so many playtests, and every time I basically changed stuff. Uh, and uh, the the scene version definitely isn't isn't the same uh, as the as the final final version. There was a bunch of uh, changes. I I remember I did especially like the thing I think I worked on the absolute most was the damage rules for melee weapons which sounds weird because it's such a tiny tiny bit of it but uh, since i wanted uh, melee weapons to feel fun to use and also be a viable option but also not outshine the guns because the whole thing is that the guns dominate you don't want to face a gun uh, so that was that was really tricky and it went through so many so many uh iterations yeah because if i'm unless i'm completely mistaken like if you shoot a gun it it hits right yeah unless it's a tough shot uh which uh, they rarely are it might be like in a close combat struggle or from a far distance uh, depending on the gun you use but almost every time a gun is fired it hits yeah i mean in a game where you don't have a lot of hp you know, I mean, guns and then guns are deadly. I mean, it's if you get shot, especially back then, like you're probably going to die. Like it feels really like it's weird to say in a tabletop game, but it feels realistic. You know what I mean? Like it like it, you should fear this thing that they have. You know what I mean? Um, and it uh, I guess it does make sense that trying to make melee 
viable in any way, shape, or form when you just have something that can kill you in one shot and always hits. It, I guess that would be a lot more difficult than than I guess originally I, I thought it would be. So um, how long did it take you to, to actually get to a point where you really liked it? And and I assume you're you're good you're happy with it now. Like you were just like, okay, this is it, this one works, or Yeah, I, I don't I like I worked up until the final like editing run, like the final round of editing we did, it just kept changing uh, every day, basically for a couple of weeks. Uh, damage up and down and bonuses and exploding and all, all sorts of different changes to just make it feel, because at the same time, I didn't want to have a bunch of uh, rules for melee because then that would take away from the vibes. So it had to be short, but also interesting. Um, and I think, like that was kind of my philosophy with all this stuff. I um, I wanted it to feel a certain way uh, rather than be necessarily simulationist or uh, or anything. Just feel uh, feel a certain way. And uh, I think in one of the playtests where we did um, uh, Ancient Skin, uh, the Merc Bar Adventure, um, that was one of the first time we tried the the almost final uh, weapon melee weapon rules and one of the players his character he was wrestling on the ground with a with a uh, with a yeah a manhunter trying to trying to catch them uh, and probably eat them i think um and it, the fight sort of ended like the, they were thrown off their horses and, and then the, the final enemy was just wrestling on the ground with this guy and uh, he rolled uh, he hit with his knife the player the player character hit with his knife and he rolled a four and then he rolled another four and then he rolled another four and we could just see in front of us how how this character was just sat on top of this guy had been wrestling and just kept on stabbing and stabbing and stabbing and meanwhile his friends were all dragged into the woods but that was that was a really cool finish yeah. to that adventure <laughs> It's funny because I'm right there with you. Um, but from the outside, sometimes, you know, playing Merkborg or something like this, you're like, man, like if people like heard us playing this game and didn't really have any context for this, we sound terrible. We we all sound like psychopaths. Um, but yeah, to just be like, man, when when this guy was just, just stabbing this guy and stabbing this guy, stabbing this guy, I knew that I had it right. That's when melee felt good. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh what like you were talking about vibes in the game which a i mean fuck like this is one of the vibiest games i've i've ever read um one of the things i like about the way that you did the rules is it feels like um whatever we want to call it now like osr nsr whatever um this thing is but where it's like there are rules where there need to be rules and when there don't it's like fucking make it up like i i trust you just do what you want to do like conditions and this is fantastic it's like there's one or two um there's uh and then it's like if none of these match make something up just go for it um at, when you're when you were designing this game uh where's the line kind of where you're like this feels like it needs a rule but this feels like it doesn't like where like how do you get comfortable being like i feel like this is okay to just you know give to GM Fiat, but like this one needs one. Were there times where you wrestled with like um, choosing to write a rule or not write a rule? Yeah, um, I think the conditions particularly show that 
uh, where I came to the conclusion that I don't need to specify every possible way a person could be uh, affected by something. Um, that was definitely one 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 of the uh, I think the conditions. Like at one point, there were a bunch of conditions, uh, and I also tried going the other way and just having one condition. Uh, but at the end, I felt like the the best way to to go about it is just trust in the the GM. Um, and I I cut a lot of stuff uh, and I changed a lot of stuff, and uh, I think. Um, as a programmer, I, I I do like to kill my darlings, so to say. So I was very close to to cutting even more stuff, just keeping only the essentials. But uh, um, after playtesting and uh, stuff, I kept I kept some things that I might not have kept, but uh, uh, the players uh, really really wanted to stay. Uh, so that definitely showed which which things actually mattered. I think if uh, I, between playtests, I might have come and said, "Oh, I cut this thing," and if they didn't react or if they uh, uh, approved, I knew it was the right thing to do. Is there any rule specifically where you're like, "Man, I want this to go," but they were like, "No, man, you have to keep this one in. Like, you just absolutely have to." Is there anything specifically that stands out? Yeah, I think one of the latest latest things was when I was um, debating whether to keep the hat rule or not. Uh, which is, uh, I mean, it sounds strange, but at the mo at, at that time, I felt like that was um, that wasn't really uh, sharing the same vibes uh, of uh, being super deadly and grimy and stuff. And then uh, I think uh, this time Walt came with a good uh, suggestion instead of a terrible one, and um, <laughs> he he convinced me to keep it. Uh, he was definitely right about that one. Yeah, I, I don't I mean, regret it one bit keeping it. Uh, no, that that's a great one. When um, uh, like like we were talking about early stream, Jason uh, runs all of our Merkborg, Deaths in Space, like basically all of our free league stuff and all of our you know that that whole realm of games. He runs all of those on our Thursday games. And when he first read Frontier Scum, one of the first things he said to me was, "Man, I love the hat roll. Like this is awesome. You know, it's one of the the very first things. And it's true, like." Uh, as far as vibes go, I guess it's a competing vibe. It's like it's a little bit less deadly, but it's it's a it's a it's a cowboy hat. Like how much more vibe can you get than a cowboy hat? You know? Yeah. Um. So so yeah, good good call by Walt on that one. Absolutely. Um. And it became like a whole page spread in the rules, right? Like there's literally yeah. like yeah. yeah, with like a with like a giant target on the chest and everything. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. And I love that because so much there's a, a couple pages that are like that a little bit. Um, but in the layout, so much of it is so tight. Like you said, it's very dense, like that catalog. But then that one, it just feels very open and it gives it this sense of um, importance because there's so much white on the page. It really and a giant target in the middle of the page um, that it makes it feel really, really fantastic. Um was that on was that was that on purpose to be like this is a super important rule so let's make this different than all the rest of it yeah like the hat rule has barely any text um so originally in the layout it was just this tiny little box uh at uh, at the end of a page and uh, i think that's also sort of why uh, why i was looking to scrap it because it was kind of trailing at the end uh but then when i decided to keep it uh, 
uh, I decided to just, okay, let's give it all the attention uh, it needs. I don't want anyone to miss it if it's gonna be there. Um, and I'm really happy with, with how that turned out. That's, I think that was one of the favorite favorite images that I was just waiting to put somewhere as well. Um, the, the guy with the bullseye on his, holding yeah. the bullseye. And like bullseye the, is. the bullet through his forehead. Yeah. 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 Uh, that That's one of my favorite pages. And then really early on, the wanted page, the guy's face on that is yeah. just, it's haunting. Like it's, fantastic and then right underneath wanted like it took me i think i read it it was probably in my second or third read because i was just kind of like oh man and then i read the things but the d4s right underneath the wanted where it's like one or two is dead or alive three is dead four is alive like that page and and that whole part is just absolutely fantastic and the way that the skills are done um with the backgrounds and stuff it's it's that same kind of like um uh, like I trust you to to make it up kind of thing. It's like here's some yeah that page is 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 that is that public domain art or is that one of uh... yeah that's actually one that uh, uh, Michal or uh, Neonon or Eileen as he goes by uh, he does some awesome layout stuff with uh, using almost exclusively public domain images. Um, that's actually one that he put together for me, um, a bit of a collage sort of thing. Um, and that was actually supposed to be the cover originally, um, back when it was a scene. It didn't fit as well as a with, with a book, but um, originally that was supposed to be the cover. And then I kind of reworked it. I added the background with the tombstone, and I made it into the wanted page. Um, but that's uh, that's public domain art. But I think it's one or it's two or three different public domain arts put together skillfully yeah yeah that's again that's one of my favorite pieces of art in the entire book as well and then the way that you did backgrounds and skills and stuff like that what was the inspiration for that because um for those that haven't read the book for example like when you say um like carcass trapper roll a d6 a skill you learned when you found a right deer in a tree is like it's a that's awesome the first time i read through that i was like this is so fucking cool like this isn't just like you get stealth you get this you get that like it's just almost more like this experience that you had and like what did you get from that that you can use in the future what was the inspiration behind doing that because there are pages of these too and all the bonus skills that come from that um did, and did those kind of just come out or was that did it take a while to do d66 tables of things like that yeah that was um the D66 tables especially was one of those things that took quite some time. I just filled in a couple here and there. I kept notes on my phone. So whenever I thought of something, I put put it in the list uh, just uh, over a, quite a long period of time. Uh, but that was originally, um, the, um, there was more of a feat system similar to unheroic feats, the Merkbar third party, uh, Merkbar cult even uh, publication. Uh, where each character had like a, a feat, which was a special ability. Uh, but uh, as we play tested, it became apparent partly that characters felt more powerful because a lot of, I mean, if it's a feat, it has to be sort of special. If it's a mundane feat, it's not fun. Um, but at the same time, the feats were kind of defining the characters 
um, like, oh, I can hold my breath underwater for an hour. Oh, that's, uh, and that, that became their character. Uh, and it also uh, very clearly affected how they approached the game. Uh, like they tried to use their uh, feats at every opportunity and it felt like the feats were controlling too much of the gameplay uh, as well as the role play. So um, I kind of sat down and I began just first I had a list of skills. So for instance, the Doctor Sans Diploma had just skills uh, like invoke, uh, invoke, um, uh, or what was it? Oh, I can't remember now, but it was like um, different, different specific skills like surgery and stuff like that. Um, and um, that um, that didn't feel quite right either because it was so, they were so specific and uh, didn't really feel like they they related uh, to. You need a lot of skills if you're gonna make something that feels varied. So then just like with conditions, I decided that, yeah, let's let's leave that uh, to the creativity of of the people reading and playing the game. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think the first time we, we did a play test with those rules, it was a great success. Um, and uh, like even now uh, when I'm, I'm running a campaign in Frontier Scum and it's, it's always fun because you, you don't see it coming. Um, like when an, someone gets a new skill and they, they always remember where they got the skill. And uh, even the skills from character creation feel like their own skills. They often remember like when they did character creation, uh, why they learned that skill, which helps with the role play, uh, but also doesn't completely define the character. Um, so I think that's, that's uh, sort of sort of the answer in a long-winded way yeah no i mean and that's it just feels so good like when you're when you're thinking about making a character it's more just like it feels more like a memory you know what i mean like than anything you know and i love the way that like you know like i said for example one is carcass trapper and it's a d6 a skill you learned when but then on discharge deputy it's a skill earned by and then on suffering clerk it's a skill from that time you so it's like every it's not there's like a um, like a, a like a structure to it, but everyone feels different every time you do it. It's not the same language, but it's similar. Like it all feels a little bit different, and it really does. It makes you feel. And then like tools of the trade as well for some of those things, or like the the discharge deputy law folks nick snacks and the suffering clerk is office supplies and such. Like it all has the same structure, but like is very very different every single time. And like you said, like it feels like you're um like you like it's not feats it's not these other things that you have and it like i said it feels like having memories as if like you're you're remembering this character or like you know um when you have built the character it feels i don't know it, it feels more real i don't know how to say it than that you know what i mean like i don't feel like i have a list of things that i can use in the future i feel like i have a list of like memories that i can draw on to to look to things um as well and i don't know it's cool is all i'm trying to say like it's yeah. it's absolutely fantastic um gosh i'm trying to even there's so much i know it's only 20 pages but they're dense pages like you really packed a lot into these even though a lot of it is like very um uh not how do i say it not quickly written like it's very it's very concise 
Um, do you think like with your programming background, like I know you talked about like kill your darlings and I know you talked and you started with a little bit of programming and stuff. How do you think programming or do you think programming affects the way that you write rules specifically or the way that you have the rules interact with each other? Yeah, like um, scalability, for instance, is something that I, I brought with me, I think, like being able to um, expand on stuff like uh, for instance, the skills and the conditions and stuff, it could really go. Uh, you could expand on that and create how many backgrounds you wanted uh, and how many conditions you need. Um, and I think that's that's one part um, that uh, that um, really uh, came came with with the programming background, as well as like the the way that different systems uh, interact with each other. I'm uh, still kind of I still find new stuff like if if I if I'm trying to think of a ruling or whatever and then I realize that oh this uh, like the drunk system it uh, the drunk condition it sort of plays nicely into this thing and etc etc um, so I think with with it being scalable it allows even if I wrote the game I still get surprised by new ways of doing stuff like there was um, in the last week's session uh, a character that has um, the drunk uh, condition when he, he swaps his grits, which is uh, his grit is really high, like a plus four. And he swaps that with his luck, which is a minus one when he's drunk. And they were lost in the fog of uh, Putrescence Regnant. Um, and they had tried to find their tracks back to the boat, but they couldn't. Uh, so then he decided to chug a bottle of wine <laughs> And then stumble, trust in his luck, and stumble into the into this fog, and just said, "Follow me, guys." Um, and that was just I had I hadn't uh, seen that one coming, but it was very memorable and um, very surprising. And I think just the the memory bit, like not just in the game, but also uh, gameplay wise. I think as the development of Frontiers come went on that became more and more important like creating moments where you could uh, where you could remember stuff happening but also where you could imagine how stuff might have ended differently and i think i really um, succeeded in that way that oftentimes when playing uh, you can kind of tell that oh that particular dice that result that changed things completely and you remember that um, and I feel like every time we play, we, we, we create memories. And that's sort of, I think, what I enjoy most about role-playing games is having a bunch of fun memories of, of crazy situations that happen and sharing that with the people I play with. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that really, I think, drives a lot of... Um these like rulings over rules games, you know, I, I feel, I think that's probably a better way to describe than like OSR, NSR, whatever people want to call it. I think rulings over rules really just feels a lot better because, you know, one of the things that you said is really important about the game is the vibe of the game, you know, and to kill the vibe of an entire scene or something because some rule doesn't quite let the coolest thing happen or whatever, it just never feels good. You know, I ran into that too much in 5e where it's like, you know, you come across a sleeping guy and you have a dagger and you stab the guy in the neck obviously you kill him 
no, like a dagger only does four damage. This guy has four hundred damage. You can't. It's like come, like come on, you know. And that really drove me towards rulings over rules. And I feel like this game, like like just it, it shows that so much, where the vibe is so important to it, and the rules are written in such a way that there's this kind of innate permission to just, you know, uh, the rule of cool is written all over this book in all of these places. Um, and it just feels really, really good. Like even when you're reading it all the way through and the first time I read it and the second time I read it and the third time I read it, like every time I flip the page, I'm like, this is so fucking cool. Like, this is so fucking cool. Like, I mean, I don't need good job. I guess I don't even know what to say besides that. I mean, it's such a good fucking game. Like realistically, like easily unquestionably one of my favorite games that I've ever, ever read and easily one of the best games that's come out this year. Um, what, before I say that, I, well, I want to ask one more question about something. The, the rule, the stats in the beginning was a question that I had the D four minus D four um, to start with pretty low stats. Um, I know that Death in Space um, does the the same kind of thing, and Merc Borg has like a similar kind of thing. Was that all? Was that all kind of like the inspiration for all of for all of that? Was just the whole those games in general, or? Yeah, like I I had the three D six thing that Merc Borg did uh, does, uh, but um, then I read Death in Space and I was like, I'm stealing that. That's great. That's perfect. Uh, I tried really to like Merc Borg is fantastic. Uh, it, a lot of the stuff in Frontier Scum is not just the mechanics, but the, um, the philosophy behind it and um, rulings over rules. And um, I think Merc Borg was the first game that showed me that it doesn't need to tell you every, everything. Uh, it, it just sort of trusts you to understand what it's going for. Uh, and I think that's really, really, really great. Um, and um, yeah, uh, one one thing I tried to do with Frontierscom was how can I, because I've been in the Mercbar community since the beginning, so I knew I, I I visit their Discord daily. I know exactly which questions pop up in the rules rules questions section. Uh, and the 3D6 for ability scores was one of those things that it keeps popping up. Uh, so so when when I saw that in Death in Space, and I, that's one way to, to not have that question come up. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, end of the day, I stole it. No regrets. It, it's it's really really i mean the first time i read it in death of base i was like this is so good like this is so why does no one do this like this is yeah. fantastic um and for a game like this i mean it's it fits perfectly you know um it keeps i mean your stats could literally be negative like really easily like uh, I know when we when we ran Death in Space, I think we all averaged maybe one positive stat and a couple of zeros and like one really shitty stat, um, and it feels good. Like it's not a hero game, you know. Like I played enough hero games. Like I'm not trying to eventually fight gods. Like I want to risk death turning a corner. Like I want to literally, if I'm not thinking and I run around shotgun to my face, I'm I'm gone. Like, that's what I want. I want the risk because I, I got tired of 
knowing that it was all balanced for me. You know what I mean? And unless I somehow have a string of like the worst rolls I'm ever going to roll, I'm not going to die. And even if I do, the GM might fudge it just to keep the story going. Like I just couldn't do that anymore. And D4 minus D4 sounds so simple, but there's so much written into that and like so much outcome from that where, you know, I try to encourage a lot of people in 5e to be like, play up your flaws, like look at your worst stat and really make that cool. And with this, every one of your stats could be your worst stat, you know, and it just it feels really fantastic. So, I mean, I couldn't think of as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, man. Like, uh, this is great already. Death in Space had it. This has it. I know exactly what this is going for. It's it's just really good. Um, I guess what is what's next for Frontier Scum? You know, I know that, um, you know, there's been Frontier, there's been jams and all sorts of things. But as far as what you're doing or, or plans for the game, um, I know we were talking before there's a second edition in printing because this sold out almost immediately. And then popped up for like two seconds on Exalted and sold out immediately again. So besides a second, a second, not a second edition, a second printing happening, what's the future of Frontier Scum look like? Uh, I think it's still very much up in the air. Uh, I'm hoping to. I have a lot of stuff to do outside of Frontier Scum at the moment, but once that uh, clears clears up, I have uh, a lot of stuff I want to do. Uh, lots of adventures and extra little supplements uh, like i said it's quite modular and, and uh, scalable so you can you can add a lot of stuff quite easily um related root classes and such um and um, yeah there's there's uh, there's one uh, bigger thing uh planned but uh, i can't really talk about that yet um there was a question in chat will there be a special edition uh not uh, not that uh, i know of right now there might be it would be cool um we did float around the idea of having an a6 version because um, if you do a fall leather cover uh, the book uh, sort of looks like a restaurant menu because it's the cover is actually bigger thicker than all the pages put together but if you redid it as an a6 you could have twice the amount of pages you could make like a little pocket fall leather edition which would be really cool but um that's uh, that's not on the horizon i don't think gotcha. maybe maybe um do you ever imagine a uh, a second edition going forward from here is there anything that you know even now that it's out and you read it again where you're like man you know maybe i could do this maybe i could do that or um are you just kind of basking in your success and making one of the best games you know that a lot of people have ever read for right now and just kind of working on just like the supplements and stuff like that no, I mean, I, I keep thinking of stuff I could have done differently. Uh, but over overall, I think, um, like, I'm really happy with it, how it turned out. Like, I was, for a while, I was worried I'd, uh, since I was pretty much grinding it, uh, spending very many hours on it, I was worried I'd hate it by the time it came out. Um, but actually, I'm excited to run it, and I'm excited to play it, and I'm excited to make more stuff for it. So I'm very happy with that. But uh, if there was one thing I'd change, I'd probably uh, reduce the number of back inventory slots to two and increase the belt slots to four. That's the one thing that I'd change. 
but I'm not sure if that's worth a second edition. Okay. Well, anyone listening, now you know the real rules is written. We're switching up these inventory slots. Um, yeah. You could uh, just use a marker and change it. I just just write it in. I, you were talking yeah. about coloring in, coloring in the black and white pictures, which yeah. God, I can't imagine ever ever putting anything inside this book. Um, but uh, for those listening, just just write it. Just just go ahead and take your beautiful book and just scribble in it and just fix that. Um, I had a question: When you run um, Western, what does role playing look like at your table? I guess like do you do you use a Southern accent and wear a cowboy hat when you're when you're playing the game or? Well, I don't when I run it, but uh, well, I use the cowboy, my best cowboy impression, obviously. But uh, uh, my main uh, table of players, they've kind of taken to uh, using a deck of cards to track aces, uh, and they all wear hats to keep uh, track of if they have their hat on or not. Um, so, yeah, we actually play in English. We're all Swedish, but... Uh, we kind of, for a long time, even be before we started with Frontierscum, we've been playing in English just because it feels kind of corny in Swedish. Um, I'm sure other other groups do the same. Um, but um, yeah, I'm not sure if it looks like a normal gaming table. I'm not sure what that looks like. Um, oh, it gets sort of rowdy. I think we do. I, I, I would describe my table as a beer and pretzel sort of thing. Uh, people come and go and uh, we blast music and uh, sometimes get completely stuck in ridiculous nonsense uh, but uh, i mean that sounds like a yeah. normal gaming table to me I mean, yeah that sounds like you know when i when i try to describe tabletop role-playing games i mean you have to be like well it's like dungeons and dragons but let me tell you all the reasons it's not um but uh, it's, a lot of times it's like it's just a fucking poker game with your buddies, but you kill dragons and, and shoot cowboys and stuff like that's literally yeah. the only difference. We're all fuckheads just like drinking beer, eating pretzels, like ripping on each other. We just happen to be like rolling dice instead of like flipping cards or even flipping cards. It's fine. Like it's the same thing. It's just getting together with your buddies um, and just having a fun time. Um but I guess, why, why do you think it sounds corny to, to play Frontier Scum in Swedish? Is it just uh, because Westerns are so often like in English with the accent and stuff like that? or Partly that, but I think that's true with any Swedish role-playing game that isn't uh, like... Even Swedish games written in, in Swedish are oftentimes corny because we don't... Like a goblin... That's a very that's a very common English word, but then when you translate it to Swedish, like our word for goblin is the same as the word for troll and ogre, uh, which makes it kind of annoying. You have to come up with new terms that nobody uses, and um, it sounds kind of cheesy. And I think the one I'm playing in a Viking game where we're playing the game Viking from 1994, and um, our GM is a history buff who's, who knows everything about uh, the Viking times. So we speak Swedish. We're a couple of uh, Vikings from pretty much the Gothenburg area going on all sorts of adventures. And it's it's more like playing a History Channel documentary than, than a beer and pretzels game. We're just sitting and talking about Viking times, uh, which is completely different. But it, that works in Swedish because it's... Vikings uh, and 
yeah i think like if if it's some some sort of thing based in that where we have the words in swedish and they don't sound silly it's perfectly fine but uh, i think a lot of people feel the same way um i know that uh, many people also just speak swinglish when they play so they they use english terms for all the fantasy stuff but they speak swedish which also sounds a bit silly so we decided to move over to to english completely Gotcha. Hey, listen, considering that like 90% of the people born in, in America speak one language and like pretty much I assume everyone in Sweden speaks at least two, um, you guys can do whatever you want as far as that. You're definitely farther ahead than we are. Um, one of the things I did want to say uh, that I always bring up when we do reviews, and I will I will sing the praises of this later, but I wanted to thank you personally now is... The bookmarks are fantastic. The hyperlinks are fantastic. Inline hyperlinks are fantastic. This is one, as soon as I pulled up the PDF and rolled to the first thing and it turned into a hand and I could click the hyperlink, I can't tell you how excited I was that this is super hyperlinked and completely bookmarked. That's one thing that, um, I don't know, for no reason whatsoever has become like my like sticking point with some PDFs where I'm like, oh man, it's not hyperlinked. But thank you very much for all of the hyperlinks and the bookmarks and everything. It is very beautifully done. Um, very good job on that. And I will be, as I said, singing the praises of that again later this evening when we do the review. So Thank you. And that's a shout out to Walt for making sure each and every one works. Uh, he, he clicked on every one of them. And shout out to Chalkdown for the the best hyperlinks I think I've ever seen, which is if you click on the little train car icons below and the minimap uh, below the train car seats, one actually works as a hyperlink, which is really cool. Uh, and I love it. I click on them sometimes in the PDF just for fun. So, yeah. Nice. So, um, so yeah, uh, where, um, we talked about a second printing of this already. Do you know when the second printing is going to come out? Or is that like a game's omnivorous decision? And It's on the way. I think it's uh, the orders in at the printer, but there's paper shortage and all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, but yeah. I think the estimate is like late next month, October, um, somewhere around there. And no, yeah. no firm dates yet. But as soon as possible is basically the answer. Yeah, well, I mean, when they sold out, I mean, how long did it take to sell out? Was it even like a week? Did it even last a week on the website? Yeah, I think it was like one week and six days or something like yeah. that. So just under two weeks. We were planning to sell out in three months. Uh, so it was pretty amazing. Uh, and then the Exalted Funeral, when that hit, and the, there was 140 copies, and they flew off the shelves. Uh, it was just three days. Yeah, I was going to say, I amazing. was surprised they lasted a day on there. Um, I got my first one directly from the Games Omnivorous website, and I think I got my second copy from Floating Chair Club. I think that's who I got it from. Um, but uh, I almost bought a third one just because, because I was like, at some point I'm going to want to give somebody this. I'm going to be so excited by it. I'm going to be like, here, just take one. Um, so we'll see with second printing if if that happens. Um but uh, I know a lot of the stuff that you have for Frontier Scum is on your itch page, but Frontier Scum itself, like the P the digital version, is not on your itch page. Um, oh. Where where do people actually find Frontier Scum, the digital version, um, since it's not in print right now? That's on uh, Games Omnivorous Drive Through RPG uh, page. Uh, if mm -hmm. you go to frontierscum.com, you'll have uh, have the link there. 
uh, as well as links to our Discord and the subreddit, uh, which hasn't kicked off yet. Maybe one day it will. Uh, and uh, of course, my Twitter as well, if you want to follow. I don't tweet very often, but when I do, it's quality. So. And uh, and your Twitter is make data not lore. Yeah. Okay. Make data not um, lore. And then your itch page as well is that's just um, that's make data not lore as well, right? Make data not lore. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just search Carl Druid, you know, itch on Google, and it'll take you right to that. Find all of your well, a lot of the Merkbury stuff. You can find Scumbrother on there, um, the Scumatorium. Um, a whole lot of stuff. And then, as I said, like so a lot of links to other frontier scum things. And you put out um, Cattle Dash. Um, the affinity brushes are fantastic. The maps are fantastic. Like all of those things. And even um, the uh, art pack for Oregon Rail that you talked about, um, which is fantastic. So if you want to actually run the game, there are tons of resources on um, the McDowell Latin or itch page that I have already sent to our DM so he can start prepping because as, as we were talking about before, we will be running Frontier Scum. I'm pretty sure I got the 100% confirmation and I think we're either going to do Oregon Rail or we're going to do um, uh, Walton's Adventure. Uh, so we'll see. I won't know until he decides to tell us because I haven't read them just in case I actually get to play. Um, but yeah, make sure you check out... If you... If you did not get a copy that really sucks for you because i got to um so wait for the second uh printing uh, but check out frontierscum.com it'll take you to all the links for the rest of that stuff um and as he said before make data lot nor make data not lore on twitter and itch for those things um carl seriously thank you so much for coming on the show this has been an incredibly insightful conversation i can't wait to get to the the review tonight it is at our time it's about 11 15 um, so it'll be 6 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be hopping on myself and Hunter and actually doing a read through and review of the game this evening. Um, I assume you'll probably be asleep at that time. So yeah, it's yeah. like 3 a.m. my time. Uh, yeah. I won't be here. Um, but yeah, also shout out to uh, Walton Woods, uh, Bark Witch of Carcass Country and uh, Shark Downs. Very cool uh, Blood Moon Vernissage, which are the, uh, two two of the several awesome Frontier Scum adventures that are I have absolutely nothing to do with. So uh, check those out as well. And uh, I think there's a poll going on on Twitter right now, and between uh, Cyborg and Frontier Scum. I don't think it's really. And, uh, I, you should vote. I think it, uh, everybody it should blown, vote for Frontier Scum. <laughs> I think it got blown out of the water pretty quickly. Frontier Scum, you know, uh, I think it had tripled uh, Cyborg real quick. And I messaged Jason and was like, "Hey, uh, I think I think Frontier Scum is going to win this." And he was like, "I think so too." And he just started prepping Frontier Scum at that point. So well, there's um, still some couple of days left. So hey. I think I think you won. I think I think regardless, I think no matter how it plays out, we're gonna end up running both. So so you can you can be rest assured that Frontier Scum will be coming to actual play on the Adventure Archive. Um and uh speaking of the Adventure Archive, that is what we are under on YouTube. We are the Adventure Archive. This is a weekly scroll podcast. Um you can find us on Twitter at weekly underscore scroll and on Instagram at the dot weekly dot scroll. Again, Carl, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I know you are on the other side of the world um, and that this is uh, not the most ideal time, but I, I genuinely do really appreciate you coming on um, and I'm super excited to go over the game. So again, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And right. uh, yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, just a reminder that no one 
under any circumstances should lick the binding. I'm not sure if it's food safe, so please don't. I don't All want right, to well, be sued. So if you're listening, now you know what to do. All right. Thank you, everyone, for Peace. being in chat. We really appreciate it. And uh, you guys all have a good evening. Thank you so much. Have it good. Bye-bye.